All right, grab your seats. Church, this coming Wednesday night, we have our first Wednesday service. And first Wednesday is a great hour plus of worship and prayer right here in this room. So mark your calendars. This Wednesday night, Pastor Brady will be leading us. So come join us as a family of God. We'll worship at 6.30 this coming Wednesday. If you uh, have been tracking with us over the last several months, you'll know that we've been in a series called Who is God? Which is a great question for us to be asking. And we've been trying to get down to the, the elemental understanding, who is God? And so we spent eight weeks talking about God the Father. We spent eight weeks talking about God the Son, Jesus Christ. And now we're in week two of an eight-week series talking about who is God the Holy Spirit. And so what we're gonna do today, which is just a little bit different, normally we'll read a text and I'll get to a scriptural text here in a minute. But we're gonna to confess together at the beginning of this sermon, our Nicene Creed stanza on the Holy Spirit. And so it'll come up on the screen and the church global, every tribe, tongue, nation, and people group all over the earth for over 1700 years has been saying this together. So now as a profession of our faith, would you join me in saying this? We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets and all God's people said. And so Lord, we say come and have your way. I am so aware in this moment how little I have to give. I am so aware that if this is on me to do, we're all in trouble. But if you are the God who speaks, and if you are the God who gathers among your people, and if you are the God who loves us with an everlasting love, and if you are the God who in Jesus is the word made flesh, if you're with us today by the power of the Spirit, we're gonna be just fine. And so we settle into that reality today. Lord, we say walk these aisles and walk our hearts. We say come and have your way. You know how to speak to each one of us. You are not the God who proclaims in mass. You are the God who speaks to us individually, uniquely, beautifully. You know what we need. So we say, Lord, may the words of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. And we pray today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said again, amen. amen. Today we're gonna focus on this portion of the phrase from the Nicene Creed, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. Now to understand the Bible, you have to understand that it was written by and written to an agrarian people. People who were farmers living on small plots of arid land right there in the Holy Land. Treacherous terrain, harsh elements, these are subsistence farmers. Jesus comes along and teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And give us this day our daily bread sounds strange to a people that shop at Sam's Club. <laughs> we, you know, Costco and we load up, we buy in bulk and we go sock it away. And some of you have an extra fridge in your, in your garage and all that. Like it, when Jesus says, give us this day, like we go, excuse me. <laughs> But these people would have understood this because they prayed that prayer literally. God, would you take care of us today? 
Most of the world, even today, lives with this kind of awareness, lives with this kind of dependence, lives with this kind of faith in God. I want to show you a couple pictures. I've spent time in the African bush, and in the morning, everyone knew their role in the community. The children had their role, and the elders had their role making food within their huts, and The men would go out and work with the crops or work with the cattle, and very often the women would take responsibility for gathering the daily water supply. So they would many times walk miles with their buckets or their pails, and they would go down to water. Sometimes it was dirty water, and they would gather what they had, and they would put it on their heads, and they would walk back, and then they would try to purify it and and, and, burn it out, and the impurities. And next picture, these women in India gathering every morning their daily supply, praying from their souls, give us this day our daily bread. Everybody on the planet knows that if you're gonna live, you're gonna have to find water. And this is why we as a church will always be about working to provide clean water. We'll always drill wells in Central America for kids who don't have. We will always take care of people in Africa. We will always send resources to the furthest reaches of Asia. We will always, as a church, take the strength that God has given us. God has blessed us to be a blessing, and we will not hoard it, and we will not just take care of number one. We're gonna send these resources that come in through the tithes and offerings to the ends of the earth to take care of these people who are praying, give us this day, and they're praying it literally. Can you give me a good amen right here? Everybody on the planet knows that if you're going to live, you're going to have to find water. And in the scriptures and in the creeds, all throughout Christian history, they've been saying, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, who is the giver of life. Why why did that phrase come about? Why did they want us to take that into our souls and into our psyches? Why did they want us to take those words on our lips and proclaim them day in and day out, week in and week out, year in and year out? The reason why is because they knew that death was all around us. One of the literary devices that you see over and over throughout scripture is this image of the valley, right? The Israelites, as they thought through their history as a people of God coming out of Egypt and walking through the the sea on dry ground and into the wilderness and then crossing over the Jordan into the promised land, they understood these different valley moments along the way. One of them was the Valley of Achor. The Valley of Achor was this almost sort of 9-11 moment in the history of Israel. Achan, who was supposed to be one of their leaders, one of their men of God, one of the trustworthy saints whose word could be depended upon, Achan had sinned and he had hidden his sin underneath his tent. He had stolen and and he was supposed to be this man of God and death starts breaking out among the people of God, people dying in mass and they can't figure out what's going on. Lord, what's going on? And they find out later that Achan had hidden his, uh, what he had stolen and it had contaminated the people of God and there was death everywhere. They would remember the Valley of Achor as this 9-11 kind of moment of deep despair and darkness and death. They would have remembered the Valley of Elah. The Valley of Elah is where giant Goliath would go out every day and taunt the armies of, of God and profane the name of God. And he had the people of God scared and 
David, who's bringing provisions to his older brothers who are at war. David's just this lowly shepherd boy back home with dad. But Father Jesse sends him out with cheese and wine and crackers and all the supplies to his brothers. Go take care of your brothers. And so David shows up in the valley of Elah and there's this Goliath taunting the people of God. He goes, what's going on here? David, we understand in that moment of great darkness and terror for the people of God that they would have understood the valley to be a place of great difficulty. We obviously know Psalm 23, even if you didn't grow up in church, you will have heard about the valley of the shadow of death. Whereas there's this minor chord, kind of ominous thing going on in the history of the people of God. And we're so quick to sort of turn that into a metaphor, but these people lived these actual experiences and the valley of the shadow of death was a true place that these people understood. It was a, a place where you could take a shortcut between Jerusalem and Jericho. Jerusalem and Jericho, it was a long road if you went the long way, but, but, but you could, you know, shortest distance between two places is a straight line. So this valley of the shadow of death was very dangerous and very treacherous and there were robbers there, but if you made it, it would be a much shorter trip. And so they said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David says earlier in that Psalm, that he leads me beside quiet waters. In that treacherous place where you're passing through and the robbers are looking to destroy your life and to take advantage of you, in that place of darkness, in that place where no one would ever know if I got lost in the valley of the shadow of death, David actually says there is one who would know. The God who is your shepherd and, and he's in fact the one who's going to lead you beside quiet waters even when you're in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death. I want you to see that wherever there is a terrible and treacherous valley in the Old Testament, there always seems to be a life-giving stream somewhere nearby. That in the place where there's a threat, somehow, some way, God keeps his people supplied. In the place where sin is rampant, mercy is near at hand. In the place where calamity and chaos and destruction are right there, God's peace somehow strangely is also made available. In the place where death is present, life is present too. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, who is the giver of life. And Jesus, with an awareness of Israel's history, with an awareness of their great tragic moments through their various valleys of, of death, Jesus steps into the middle of the story talking to a people living on this dry ground. And he says in John chapter seven something that I want us to see today and I want us to take this on board in our lives. I want us to receive these words of Jesus as a gift for us today. It says on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, and I want you to hear Jesus shouting this to you today. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, Jesus says, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. And up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. 
What Jesus says here in this moment is that we have all been equipped with an internal irrigation system. There is this never-ending supply from within. You see, in the Old Testament, they were looking for a stream nearby, but Jesus called our attention to a stream within. Do you see this juxtaposition here today? All of their history, they remember moments where God somehow, way, supplied them with this stream that flowed through their lives in the middle of the valley. But Jesus says, if you're thirsty, yes, come to me and I'll take care of you. But I want you to understand that the provision of God isn't just external, it becomes internal. He says that the Holy Spirit will flow as a life-giving stream from within your bellies, from within your hearts. In the Old Testament, the Spirit, again, was external. There were these moments where they went up to the festivals, or let's make pilgrimage to Jerusalem, or we've got this gathering, or let's go see the priests in Bethel, or let's go over here, or we need someone to come anoint the new king with, break open the horn of oil. It was always this moment in this holy place, and it felt like it was external, and it felt like it was fleeting. But Jesus says that the times have been reaching their fullness, and God always intended to bring us to this moment where the spirit would not just be external, but would be internal, that at the drop of a hat, you could access the life-giving stream of water in a sun-scorched land. Jesus says, I'm bringing the provision on the inside. What I want you to see today is that the Holy Spirit is God's constant flow of life rushing at us from within us. The Holy Spirit is the Lord, the giver of life, I grew up in Oklahoma, uh, 22 years in Tulsa, and then 17 years ago moved here with Lisa to start working at New Life. And I knew Colorado Springs was beautiful, Purple Mountains Majesty, Pikes Peak, it's, it's beautiful, uh, but it was rugged beauty. It was a different kind of beauty. Oklahoma, we, we have rainstorms. We have this thing, it's called rain. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but from up there, water comes down on your head. And, and there's storm, and there's lightning, and there's thunder, and, and we're famous for, uh, we got a movie after us, Twister, right? Tornadoes and you know, weather activity that things go green. You don't have to have a PhD in horticulture to grow a yard <laughs> in Tulsa. Good God Almighty, I mean, it's like the bane of my existence just trying to keep something alive out here. And so it's beautiful here, but it's rugged beauty. It's, it's beautiful, but it's an austere beauty. It's beautiful, but sometimes, as we saw nine days ago, right just across the road, it's a dangerous beauty. Fire breaking out right among us. We got Waldo Canyon fire. We got the Black Forest fire. We got the Great Wolf Lodge fire nine days ago. Can we say thanks to all of our first responders who put that thing out? Praise God. <laughs> Praise God, people showing up with water, you know? The Holy Spirit is God's constant flow of life. And I remember being boy, a boy in Tulsa, and I wanna show you one of my favorite pictures from my childhood that when I see this, I'm, I'm that little boy being wrapped up by my dad, David Grothy. Somehow he still has hair and mine went away, which is <laughs> cruel. 
But we would sit on the porch anytime there was a thunderstorm, a rainstorm. We would go out on the porch and sit on the swing, and we, are, are, we had bare feet, and you know the water would be crashing down on the porch, and, and the mist would be coming up on us, and it would make us cold. And my dad would tuck me under his arm and warm me up, and then we would run out in the grass, and we'd you know yell and scream, and then I would jump over the bushes back onto the porch, and just I, I like viscerally, I can remember being that boy. And every time I was sitting on the porch in the middle of one of those Oklahoma rainstorms, I had this distinct sense that, okay, the world just got reset. Like, we're going to be okay. Somehow, someway, we're getting what we need. God is providing for us. There's a fresh start, newness, there's life, there's going to be, we're going to make it just another day. I had that kind of buried in my soul. And here we are reading the scriptures and we hear about these valleys and we hear about all the treachery and we hear about all the, the, the drought-stricken conditions around us and, and yet the creeds and the scriptures keep telling us we believe in the Holy Spirit who is the Lord, who is the giver of life, that at the drop of a hat, God will supply you. God will take care of you. God will give you the divine reset. God is not going to allow your life to burn down to the ground. God will somehow, some way, cause the streams of living water to well up from the invisible places in your being, and you're going to be able to make it another day. We believe in the Holy Spirit as the one who keeps us alive, who keeps us nourished, who keeps us having what we need to make it just another day. But what I want you to see here is that it's not just for us. The Spirit doesn't just come to take care of us, though the Spirit comes to take care of us. What I want you to see is that to experience the Spirit is to become a part of the work of the Spirit. It's to become a part of cooperating with and you become a life-giving conduit. You become a part of the world's irrigation system, the gifts of the Spirit within Christians. God uses us as the body of Christ to, to help take care of the world. We all know those people who have been that kind of person for us. That when you step into their presence, it's like, it's like a cup of cold water. It's like you feel you're gonna be okay, you're gonna be safe. Like this person is not going to hurt me, this person's going to make me better. And there, there's many people in my life who have been that for me. I look across the room and people who have been an experience of the Spirit in my life throughout the decades. And one guy stands out in, in the room who I've known for 17 years and his name is Dave. And every time I'm with Dave, it, it, I, I was thinking in between services, I don't remember a time leaving Dave's presence where I felt depleted or where I felt worse off. I don't remember a time leaving his presence where I felt like he just you know, put something on me that was a heavier burden than I started with. I, I, I leave Dave's presence feeling better and Dave, he comes up here three to four times a week to, to be around the church and to pray. And he, he comes through the lobby and he's got his iPhone in his pocket and he's got worship music blaring and, and he's, he's in a wheelchair. Dave's in a wheelchair and he, and he wheels around the church. He's getting his exercise. He comes in here and he goes through the rows and he's praying for you. <laughs> and then he's making phone calls for his business. He runs a, a successful business here and he's, he's doing his thing, but then he'll jump back into prayer and worship and intercession in this place. And I remember one time walking through the lobby and I was having a terrible day. This must have been seven, eight years ago. And one of those days where you want to quit. And as I'm walking through the lobby, Dave wheels in and he goes, hey, the Holy Spirit sent me up here today to find you. 
He said, the Lord told me to come put jumper cables on you. And he starts praying. Life came back. He just lives this way. And he'll text me throughout the week and he'll go, hey, the Lord gave me this word for you. How are you doing, buddy? Or what does Lisa need? Or how are the kids? Or how can we be praying for you? Just jumper cables. The spirit of the Lord is on this man. And to be around him is to experience the life of the spirit of life. Friends, our world is aching for us to be this kind of people. Your workplace tomorrow will be aching for you to be this kind of person. Your neighborhood is aching for you to be this kind of person. The kids in your school, some of you are school teachers, and, and, and there's, they're in every classroom, I'm married a school teacher, and in every classroom there's always one kid that there seems to be a conundrum or an enigma. And, and what if instead of just being stumped about this kid, you just said, come Holy Spirit. Would you give me the unique key to their unique heart? Lord, I, I want them to have life, and I know they're troubled, and I know life is difficult at home for them, but Lord, right now I say in this classroom, come Holy Spirit and, and speak life over that kid. Friends, the world is waiting for the church to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Spirit who is the giver of life. How do we do this? How do we live this kind of Life where we're an experience of the Spirit for other people. The second to the last book in the Bible is called Jude. It's this little bitty letter. It's, not, it's one chapter. And it's right before Revelation, Jude. And, and Jude is writing to the people of God who are living in a very drought-stricken situation. It is difficult. They're living under the power of the Roman Empire. Life is falling apart right and left. And Jude writes them as sort of a jumper cable letter to keep going. And here's what he says to them about living by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and by praying in the Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. He says, pray in the Holy Spirit. He says, get up in the morning and build yourselves up in your most holy faith. He says, rise to the, the call that is on your life and go for it and pray in the Spirit. Teresa of Avila, this great ancient saint, beautiful woman of God who has written work for the, for the church that has nourished the church for hundreds of years. Teresa of Avila, she talks about three layers of prayer prayer in the Holy Spirit. I want to put this in front of you today and try to make this as practical, as simple, and as take home as I can. How do we be people who pray in the power of the Holy Spirit? First level, she says, is the level of the vocal. You get up in the morning and you open the Bible and you turn to Psalm 103 and it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Teresa says that the first level of prayer is the level of the vocal where you begin to just pray that out. I wake up in the morning depleted. I wake up in the morning not, uh, thankfully you get some rest, but I'm not like ready to go in the power of the Spirit. I'm exhausted. I'm, I've got questions about the day. And you start the day and you go, bless the Lord, oh my soul. 
and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And now I bless the Lord, my soul. And, and don't you dare forget one of his benefits. Thank you, God, for Lisa. And thank you for Lillian. And thank you for Wilson. And thank you for Wakely. And thank you for this home, God. You've given us a roof over our head. And thank you for strength in our bodies. And thank you for meaningful work. And thank you for friends. Thank you for my parents. And thank you for my in-laws. Thank, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And you get it in your mouth, the word of God. And somehow, some way, mysteriously, it tips. It pivots to this second layer. It, it sinks down deeper into the, the, the level of the mental. You get it on your lips, and then it gets down into your, your mind, into your heart, into your soul, and, and you start to just, Lord, thank you, thank you. And, and the mental, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins. And immediately, the enemy comes at you with the, with the thing you said in that board meeting a week ago that you wish you hadn't said. And he starts to shame you, you idiot. You are so stupid and everyone knows it. There's, there's spiritual warfare at six in the morning because the enemy knows if he can get you at six, then the rest of the day is wasted. So you've got the word of God on your lips and then you, it starts going down into the level of the mental, but the enemy attacks you on the level of the mental and tells you you're a fool and tells you you're wasting your life and tells you that following Jesus is a waste. And in that moment, you, go, you start to go, who forgives all my sins? <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that you're not the one who counts my sins against me, but you wash me in the blood of Jesus, who cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Thank you that you're the God who provides for me today. Thank you that you're the God who leads me by the power power of your spirit. And I pray, Lord, as I step into the board meeting today, that I would be different. I pray, Lord, that I'd be ready to think on my feet. And I pray you would give me words of do, in due season for all the weary ones around. Do you see what's happening here? Where the work of the spirit is beginning to drill a layer deeper in your being, and it goes from the vocal to the mental. But Teresa tells us that there is this final move that is all the right stuff. It goes from the vocal to the mental, to the experiential, where you begin to live this, where you begin to embody this, where you begin to become an experience of the, the spirit of God. You walk into rooms and people go, there's just, I don't know what's different about her. She's just, she's different. She's peaceful when everyone's chaotic. She's joyful when everyone's got a furrowed brow. She's, she's just, she always seems to know what to say. It's, it's like uh, having a sailboat and you've done all your preparations and you've got the boat ready and you've studied and you've read all the books and you know what you're doing, but you're waiting for the wind. <laughs> but when the wind comes, you just put the, the sails up and off you are in the direction that the spirit wants to take you. Friends, you go from the verbal to the mental to the experiential and you become one who is, 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 is guided by the spirit into the direction he wants you to take. And what I want you to hear today is that this is available for every single one of us. This is not something for the spiritual elite. This is not something for people who have masters of divinity. This is, not, this is, this is something for single parents. This is something for old retirees. This is something for rich people and poor people. Anyone who calls on the name of Jesus has been filled with the Spirit. And if you will wake up in the morning and say, come, Holy Spirit, I am yours and you are mine. I say, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. Guide me this day. Friends, if you will live this way, the world will be changed. And I'm here to tell you today, people are dying for the church to be this. 
It's available to us. It's on the table. There is nothing that is held back from us. Jesus, uh, Jesus said he gives the spirit without measure or limit. But will we ask and will we seek and will we not? Church, what I'm here to say today is that we are the people of the spirit and we've been saying for thousands of years we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. And in a world that is dry and in a world where the danger is high and in a world where the threat seems always to be at hand, we say we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. And when we don't know what to do with our children, we say we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. And when we have questions about our businesses, we say we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. And when mental health crises arise in our lives and we don't want to get out of bed in the morning, the best thing we can do is just say, I have nothing but I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. And somehow, some way, strength comes to put your feet on the floor and to get up and to get dressed and to go back out there. Friends, we cannot live without the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't. We fail. We want to quit without the power of the Holy Spirit. We mess it up without the power of the Holy Spirit. Despair takes us over without the power of the Holy Spirit, but with the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not just external provision, but somehow, some way, out of our bellies begin to flow rivers of living water. And this internal irrigation system changes everything for us. And then we step out into Colorado Springs and the Pikes Peak region, and we become an experience of the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, please, we have nothing without the power of the Spirit. And today is a day to press back in and to ask God for it. Can you say amen, church? Amen. Would you stand with me? The worship team is coming and we'll receive communion here in just a minute. But I wanna step into a moment of intercession here. I want us to practice this for a moment here. If we come into this moment and race past it, I think we'll miss the very thing we came here for today. So what I want you to do is to close your eyes and to open your hands and open your hearts. And let's begin to practice the three layers of prayer that Teresa taught us. The vocal. The saints of old for 2,000 years have been teaching us to pray, come Holy Spirit. Pastor Brady for 15 years has been teaching us to pray, come Holy Spirit. And I want you right now just to begin to repeat that, to invite the work of the Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Oh Lord, we need you. Church, please don't let this be a spectator sport. I'm not praying for you in your place, I'm praying with you. Come Holy Spirit. We are desperate for you. We're nothing without you. Come on, Lord. We come in here tired today and we need you to give us life. We come in here thirsty today and we need you to give us water. We come in here hungry today and we need you to feed us. Come Holy Spirit. We bless the Lord. Oh, our souls and all that's within us, we bless your holy name. 
how good you have been and all these critical moments along the way are valley moments where you've stepped in and you've supplied our needs. Thank you, Lord. Where we needed wisdom and you gave us wisdom, we say thank you, Lord. Where we needed money and you gave us money, we say thank you, Lord. Where we thought we were gonna die because we were on the brink in our minds or in our bodies or in our spirits and somehow we're here today, we say thank you, Lord. And we, Lord, we invite you, we need you to suffuse our lives with your presence. Let's click down into the level of the mental. Some of you carry so much shame and the enemy has tried to lie to you and get you to believe the very worst thing about your life is the truest thing about your life. And in Jesus' name, <laughs> I'm rebuking it today. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. If any person be in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. I pray for confidence to rise. I pray for boldness to rise. I pray for gritty fearlessness to rise. I pray that God would give you strength to live your long obedience in the same direction. I pray that you will not fall and you will not quit and you will not stumble and your life will not flame out. I thank you, Lord, that these people will be old people of God full of the power and the presence of the Spirit. And Lord, I pray that we would have the mind of Christ. Do that today by the Spirit. And now, clicking down into the layer of the experiential that you would be this, that you would live this all of your days, that you would refuse to settle for cheap shortcuts, that you would refuse to settle for affluence as enough to get you through, but that you would live deep, elementally tapped into the, to the streams of living water. Lord, make us strong. I pray you would send us into our neighborhoods to be the difference. I pray that you would send us to our jobs to be the difference. I pray, Lord, that when we're with our most important people, you would give us prophetic words. Lord, I pray for parents who will see prodigals this week, that it'll be a different kind of experience because of the life of the Spirit in mom or in dad. Lord, I pray that you would make us the people of God filled with the Spirit for the life of the world. And so we say one more time, come Holy Spirit. Come on, church. Come, Holy Spirit. We're going to sing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And as we do, I want you to lift your hands. Maybe some of you will uh, get down on your knees or whatever your thing is. However you need to respond, let's respond to the Spirit and welcome the fresh work of the Spirit today.
get your communion elements and be ready to receive. The Holy Spirit is here in this moment. And if the Spirit is not here in this moment, this is just a really terrible wafer and really bad grape juice. But if the Spirit is here in this moment and if Jesus wasn't lying to us on the night he was betrayed, then people are gonna get fed today. <laughs> people are gonna get forgiven today. And the power of the Spirit's gonna well up afresh in us today. And so Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. Would you break that little wafer in your hand? And he said, this is my body is broken for you. In this drought-stricken land, you're going to need food, and you're going to wonder where it's going to come from. Here I am to feed you. He says, every time you do this, remember me. Every time you do this, receive me. Every time you do this, welcome me into your life afresh. And so church today, Jesus is here for you, and he's here to feed you afresh. You may receive the broken body. On the same night, he took the cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins. You're clean today. You're new today. What happens when you drink the cup? Joy breaks out. <laughs> you start to relax again. You start to settle into the gift again. You're with your people. You're in your safe place, and Jesus is for you. This is what happens when we come to the table of the Lord. Jesus goes, relax, you're clean. There's a new start. And so today, Lord, we thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for newness. We thank you for the fresh covenant that you have cut for us and given to us in your own broken body and shed blood. Church, today you have been forgiven by the work of Jesus and the power of the Spirit. You may receive the cup. Let us become. Let us
one more thing. We're not done just yet, we're almost done. But as we were singing that, I looked over and saw Jamie over here, the guy who was in prison five years and just got out and is here for the first time. And I heard the Lord say, there are gonna be many more Jamies coming into this place. And so for you prisoners who are watching right online, we say to you, the Holy Spirit is the Lord, the giver of life for you. And the power of the Spirit is gonna overshadow you and you're gonna have what you need. Church, right now, let's pray. Lord, we speak life, life, life into our prison systems. We pray, Lord, wake those who are lost. Lord, wake them up out of their slumber and bring them into the salvation of Jesus. For those who have been following Jesus, we pray, strengthen them, embolden them, empower them, and Lord, keep them in hope. Jamie said today, I've been dreaming of this day for five years, and here it is. And Lord, we pray, let it be for many, many more, hundreds and thousands more. Call them out of the prisons into the life of the body of Christ. And we say these things today in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. Let's give it up for those who are watching in our prisons today. We bless you, we bless you, we bless you. I wanna invite our prayer team to come down. We would love to pray with any of you who have prayer needs. This Wednesday, 6.30, first Wednesday right here. Go from here today in God's grace and peace. So much love.